Own Your Creativity, Episode 87. I'm really excited today to be talking with Tracy Ariel. She is an author and urban gardener and has created what she calls a seasonal lifestyle. Our chat took place in a cafe, so there is some background background noise, but our voices are still quite easy to hear. However, next time I conduct this sort of interview, which was super fun, I'll definitely need lapel mics to improve sound quality. And, you know, you can help by supporting the Own Your Creativity podcast by becoming a patron at bit.ly forward slash creativity patron. Your support will ensure that Own Your Creativity keeps spreading the light and sparkle and joy of creativity. So, so do you think that the, the kinds of things that you do um, lend themselves to collective creativity as opposed to individualist? Oh, that's fascinating because, yes, they do, depending on which part of my life I'm talking about. Because, obviously, if you're doing a book, it is collective creativity, but if you're the writer, because you're interviewing people, because you are um, relying on it all the work that's gone before, this is, I mean, we all create on top of other people's work, you know? That's part of what's beautiful about being a writer, is that you're constantly um, being gracious and having a lot of gratitude for all of the people who have taken the work to where they've taken it, because then you can take it a little step farther. Yeah. So I yeah. find that's really important. Yeah, and it I I always say this that that any kind of art that, that you're engaged in is a conversation and, and you're yeah. you're you're having a conversation with people who've come before you and you're adding that conversation. Right, yeah. And well because I do history as well, I'm really thinking about the people who've come before us and the cultures that have come before us and, and um, part of why I like doing some of the stuff I do with genealogy is that it really um, it emphasizes my identity as um, a link to people who've come before, which mm-hmm. I think is really, um, I think that helps be much more motivating mm-hmm. because journalism, on the other hand, tends to be much more negative um, in terms of the best stories tend to hurt people. Yeah. <laughs> and even if um, the people you're hurting have done things wrong and that's why they're being hurt, it's still. Um, other than the PR type writing, a lot of the best stories um, show things that people have done wrong. And so even with my genealogy, I, I tend to like pick up all the scoundrels and the thieves and the, all the people who are um, sort of the negative, done negative things in my background. It's really, <laughs> but I don't mind. It's sort of like I don't mind emphasizing their lives because they're dead. It's like it's okay. <laughs> So it's almost like... You can't hurt yeah. their reputation now. Well, you, I, but in many ways, I'm hurting my own reputation, but I don't mind because it makes me sort of feel more human, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, I really think it's important to connect to people who make mistakes. Yeah. And that um, it makes me a little bit less... Judge, I'm a judgmental kind of person, so it makes me less judgmental to people who are... Um, who, who had rough, tougher lives and therefore are in situations where I don't actually relate to them. Yeah, but I think that, you know, criminals or people who um, skirt the law are often mavericks in a, in a way. I mean, I think that they point out some of the inequities um, of our system, you know, and so maybe they're going about it in a, in a unhelpful or illegal way, but uh, oftentimes I think that they do point up to some things that 
maybe need to change, you know, so. Yeah, the ones, that that? Are the, the ones that are the, the, the ones who are hurting people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we, we should go to you now. What about yeah. your creative? Do you find creative creativity as a collective or an individual um, Yeah, yeah, activity? I, I, I'm not, well, you know, I think that there are phases, you know, I think that creativity comes from the individual but it's informed by the collective and then after it's it's shaped by the individual then it goes back into the collective so I think that there's some kind of you know back and forward fluidity that 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 happens I think I think that's the best thing you know the best outcome is that it does go back into the collective and then it starts some conversation or adds to it and then it comes back to you and you know um, yeah, ideally, you know, but I think I think a lot of times people, you know, they do things and it just falls flat or it doesn't get any response or, you know, and I think that speaks to the really important part of marketing yourself, you know, I think today we really have to, you know, get out there and make connections with people too, right, so so when you're marketing yourself and what you do, it isn't, it isn't a solo activity, you really have to, you know, engage other people and get them on board with what you're doing, because you can't create really in a, in a vacuum, you know, and you can't be successful in a vacuum, nobody is successful all by themselves, right, and so, it's a it's a very interactive thing I think to 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 be an artist to be a writer but also just to be a human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's interesting because um, creativity as a as a facet of life is um, it's almost giving a, a vulnerable side of you as well, and yeah. I think that that is part of what making relationships is. So in many ways, the relationships between people are creative just just in order to have a relationship with them. Yeah, yeah, wow, it's very cool. But you know, I, I was thinking that maybe we should do a little introduction about who we are, so <laughs> people listening to us know. <laughs> so this is our house, this is Vicky, and this is Jalapenos, be careful. Here we go, so I guess, uh, so I am here, this is Tracy Ariel, and I am interviewing Elizabeth Johnson, who is has a podcast called Own Your Creativity, and uh, we've been talking quite a bit about uh, her podcast, and, and because we're both writers, and we're both living in Montreal, and we've known each other for years and years. Yeah, over 20 years, yes. I think, it's yes. been. Yes, crazy. It's more than 20 years. It's more than... Wow. Anyway. Wow, that's awesome. And so, I'm Elizabeth Johnston with Own Your Creativity, and I'm here with Tracy Ariel. Um, we're actually at um, little in, in Little Italy in Montreal. We're going to be going to the Chantelon Market soon. Um, and uh, so while we're here, we just thought, hey, why don't we do a podcast and interview each other? Because we really do things that overlap, but in different ways. And, um, and I think it's going to be really interesting for 
my listeners to learn more about what you do, Tracy. And so maybe that's a good lead-in to, you know, telling us, like, what it is that you do and specifically how it's evolved into what you do now. Yeah. Um, well, what I basically have a seasonal life. So in the summer, I am involved with a whole bunch of social um, economy projects uh, in the urban agriculture space. So we, I have a, I'm a part of a cooperative called Cooperative which is uh, we do farmer markets and we do uh, actually we're, we've extended we're doing a project project a pilot project now in the greenhouse for another six weeks of winter uh, fall um, summer autumn uh, farmers markets. And then uh, in the winter time, which sort of is now as well, so spring and fall tend to be really busy. But uh, then I am I go back to my writing. Um, I coach people, and I have um, books that I write, and I have clients that I help them do books. And working with a fellow right now on a book that brings behavioral science into project management, and that's really cool. Yeah. So um, I just love all of my, and I tend to love my work more now because I have two two distinct seasons, that's four distinct yeah, seasons, yeah. Um, and it sort of evolved because I wanted to live a seasonal life, I wanted to be more local, and so I got involved with local projects at first as a, just on a, you know, they were my hobbies, but then when we started realizing that we really wanted to put together some businesses, um, then it started evolving into a dual life, that, uh, and it, I'm, sort of takes me from being, I was always a very dedicated freelancer, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I love writing, and I love just creating um, things in, by myself and then sending them out into the world, but I found that um, I wasn't growing as much as I wanted to that way, and so this gives me an opportunity to give, to have both sides of my business um, help the other side evolve. Yeah, and at the same time it helps you evolve. It is, it's so interesting that you say that you're a bit of an introvert because I would never have said that about you for as long as that I've known you. And, 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 it's, and it's kind of surprising because several people that I would say are introverts and, and they, they identify as that, I don't find that at all. So like I don't know what the deal is. Maybe introverts are really good at putting on that facade. <laughs> well, no, because I'm a social introvert. Oh, so when okay. I'm with people, I actually love being with people, mm. but I get energy from being doing things alone. So that's the difference. Mm. So I'm a very social introvert. There's no reason for you to have known that I was. Like, yeah. You can't tell from someone whether what they get energy from, and that's yeah. what the introvert extrovert thing means. So yeah. that's why, um, you know, most people would alone time to recharge your batteries? Is yeah. That, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't get power from being with other people, yeah. I, I get power, I need a certain amount of time alone mm -hmm. every week, you know, mm -hmm. it's like a, a mm -hmm. recharge. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, maybe I'm an introvert then too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consider yourself an extrovert though? Um, I, Have you always considered yourself an extrovert before this conversation? Well, I just, I never really... Put myself into either camp, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I just didn't find that they were really helpful uh, categories for me because I because I do oscillate, you know, between it depends on 
on the contacts of whom I whom I'm with, you know, whether I I feel introvert uh, introversion or extroversion, I guess. So, but I do like to have my my own space. I do like to be on my own and um, think of things and you know, go to a cafe and write in my journal and <laughs> you write in a cafe yeah See, I can't write in a public place really I don't like it no wow it's really I mean I will take notes and things but it's not mm. I can't get into that space that's my own mm. if I'm in a even if I'm by myself in the corner I still find a, for me a cafe is a public place oh really mm-hmm. so do you do you find it Odd to read in a public case, then? No, nope. no, okay. no, no. I don't mind. I can read. Yeah, yeah. I can read anywhere. But yeah. Reading, I think, is almost like an escape for me. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. I can read. That doesn't bother me. But yeah. writing is more. For me, I find writing needs more introspection and more pauses between writing and thinking, and 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 I find in a cafe, I mean, I know lots of writers have done it that way, but I just find it distracting, whereas I don't, it's not the noise that I find distracting, it's the fact that I might see someone, or the fact that I, you know, I'm not completely into my work, I'm actually in the space. Right, yeah. Well, that's why I, when I'm writing in my journal, I make sure that I go to a cafe where I know I'm not going to run into anybody. <laughs> and and also, um, for me, that kind of writing is like, it doesn't necessarily lead anywhere, but it might. You know? Or um, or I know, you know, I'm working on a project and, and I'm, I just want to go someplace else different and, and just, uh, you know, um, explore that one idea right so so for me it, it's not really uh, the place where where I do a lot of the heavy lifting of the writing process that always is at home in a quiet space in my office and yeah where I can concentrate and, you know to do the larger chunks that's you know I do that at home so maybe we should talk maybe you should introduce yourself and what you do and, and how your life goes too because my yeah. readers don't know anything your mind listeners don't know anything about you either. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, Elizabeth Johnston of the Own Your Creativity podcast. Um, I started the podcast about uh, two and a half years ago because I wanted to um, explore how creativity manifests itself, uh, itself in other people's lives. And so I talked to all sorts of people from all walks of life, uh, not just you know typical typical or stereotypical creatives like, you know, writers or drummers or artists or, or that, you know, I've talked to philosophers, business people, um, and, uh, and, and everything in between. So everyone in between. And, um, and it was an extension really of my um, teaching. I teach creative writing. I've been uh, teaching creative writing and screenwriting and all different other types of writing for um, about 25 years now. And, um, and I also teach um, a university course, uh, Skills for Success, um, and it's mainly for students who need to get back on track with their academic goals, but what I've realized is, over the years is that um, a lot of them fail out of their program um, or just kind of don't have the motivation to show up for their lives because they're not passionate about something, right? They haven't activated that creative core in themselves. Oh, wow. So in many ways, that's like a class about helping them discover their creative core. It really is. It really is. that's awesome. 
And, uh, and, and it was interesting to me that, that those two things converged because on the face of it, it's like, oh, creative writing and, you know, then, you know, time management and, you know, uh, putting a schedule together. It's like, what's that? How is that? You know, but I'm, I realized that it's so important um, to, to have both that organizational ability because, you know, when you create a schedule, um, when you set out a, um, um, you know, goal action plan, that's the container for your creativity, right? That's what's going to hold your dreams. Yeah, it's and way easier to be creative if you have a structure that you're already building within. Yeah. If you have to create your structure, you, you spend all, you, it's sort of like, I think we have a level, you know how we have a level of willpower per day? I think we have a level of creativity a day per day. Yeah. And if you're creating all sorts of minor things, you don't get the chance to actually think deeply. Yeah, yeah. It's how so can true. you build a passion without deep thought, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so yeah, so I um, actually I, I talked to James Clear um, oh. just recently for my podcast, and he he has a new book out called Atomic Habits, and he has the Habits Academy, um, and uh, and and in one of his chapters he says that um, that uh, in order to be successful, you have to fall in love with boredom. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That is. That is a fascinating idea. Yeah. Because if you're not bored, you can actually create out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, boredom or not being you know 100% occupied is is a way of, of kind of lying fallow. You know, like a field, right? Like it. You need you need to have that kind of time where where you do get bored and then you think okay enough of this like I've got to find something that's going to excite me but also what he says um, is that you have to fall in love with boredom because a lot of what you're going to do in order to get to where you need to go is going to be repetition right and 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 so you know like if you if you're Going into what you know, going to the Olympics or whatever. I mean, you have to do a lot of sit-ups or whatever, right? So you you have to find um, a way to love the boredom, you know, love the repetition, and because um, that's part and parcel of your success. I mean, you you know, and it goes to consistency and regularity and routine and time management and schedules. <laughs> with your course teaching too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. Um, it's funny because um, I hadn't heard that from him, but I, I guess someone else was quoting him. And I remember thinking, boredom. But if you're busy creating, how can you possibly be bored? But I think that's because after so many years of, of using your creative muscle, I don't actually, I don't, when I have time alone or thinking, I'm no longer thinking about it as being bored. Whereas I remember as a kid being bored all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I think it depends on how, what you how, what, what you use as that an identifier for that word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, because being silent for sure is necessary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And having downtime and recharging your batteries and all that stuff, which which you know some may say is is being bored. Mm -hmm. But and I think you know with all the um, with the generation. That, that I'm teaching you know, I, and they're addicted to their cell phones and you know checking their, you know, and and so every every moment is filled with 
something, you know, and something that gives them immediate gratification and or immediate depression because when they check their phone, it's like, oh, nobody's texted me in the last three seconds. <laughs> oh no, what's wrong with me? Really? <laughs> Yeah, no. I didn't think about that actually. It's true. Because yeah. I have two kids, one who's 23 and one who's 19. Mm -hmm. um, it's true, they look at their phones a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. And it's their connection to other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I don't. I don't see it so different as from the only thing that's really, really different. Remember all those lineups where you used to have to stand in and be bored on your mind and you meet yes. everyone around you? Yes. They don't have to do that anymore. They can actually yeah. be entertaining you when they're yeah. in that kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I remember being at their age, being like on the phone all the time. You know, socializing was just as important as a teenager. For oh, us. yeah. I know. My goodness. I would hog the phone in the kitchen for hours on end. <laughs> there were three girls in my house, so my parents. Had a, long, a time limit for your phone. Oh, okay. So the phone would, the buzzer would go off, and then you'd have to pass it on to the other person. <laughs> I remember we all of us thought that this was the most cruel thing ever. <laughs> but I don't know how else you would share fairly, you know? Yeah. Because all of us wanted to be on it for the whole time that we weren't doing something else. Yeah. So, but I don't know if that. I don't like they don't need to do that. They all have their own cell phones long before they hit teenage life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't have a feeling of needing to actually relate to other people like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, um, if they want to talk to people, they just pick up their phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess means when no one answers, it is harder. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're at um, a stage where, we're, where, where they're going to have to learn how to be alone. Yeah. And how to be bored. And how to be bored. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, and how to create, how to be comfortable in nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the, that is the hard part. Like, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, it's usually when there's nothing, unless you're, Unless you're in a very good place, you get all of those things that come and tell you how rotten you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the negative self-talk is rampant, you know, with, with the cohort that I teach. And uh, um, so we try to introduce mindfulness to them and those techniques. But, but it's challenging for them because um, they have to separate themselves. You know, they have to sit there and it's like, oh, okay, all these thoughts um, are floating by and I, but I, I'm not my thoughts, right? I don't have to uh, identify with them, but they are so caught up in in all of that negative self-talk that it's hard for them to disengage. And so, so we had we actually had a class last week, and uh, a guest speaker came in and talked about mindfulness, and and ran them through some some exercises, and and a lot of them say, oh, it didn't work for me. And so mindfulness and meditation is it's not for me. You know? But it's in a group, you know. They and so they they kind of have this knee-jerk thing, like if it doesn't happen instantly, like a you know a ping on your cell phone, then then it's not it's not. So yeah, I guess you'll viable. have to try that uh, an exercise later in the term again in a different way yeah. to see if maybe they can connect to it. Because mindfulness yeah. is so much deeper than just 
and um, and you're uh, growing your own sprouts and yeah. and um, we have an aquaponics system at the greenhouse. Oh and my we goodness. Have, uh, uh, the organization, like we have the farmers markets, and now I'm putting together the catalog for people to be able to buy um, food. Also. We're trying to make basically our goal is to make it possible for people to eat locally all year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I'm doing projects to try to make that happen. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I um, I uh, started growing my own sprouts. <laughs> What kind of sprouts are you growing? Uh, uh, red clover and broccoli and uh, mung beans oh, yeah. and lentils and something else. Um, no, that's a lot of sprouts for one person. Yeah, well, I only I only do like a teaspoon at a time, and oh, I, I have I have the the round circle thing and oh yes, I, I have level, one of those too. You know? I love that thing. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, so I'm just doing that. But, um, and I, I started doing that um, a few weeks ago, um, mainly, you know, to actually save a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but now that I'm doing it, I actually feel that I'm more in control of my, my time and the food that I'm eating. Because I mean, I really believe that the food we eat fuels our creativity mm -hmm. as well. And I'm just so pleased with myself <laughs> that, that, you know, I can potentially have all these sprouts throughout the whole winter now um, and I, I know where they're coming from and um, and and it, and it gives me more of a sense of, of control of, over over my own sort of sphere as well and I didn't expect that did, you know I didn't expect to, to feel more in control but also more part of the natural world yeah. at the same time yeah, yeah yeah because well you're doing something that we've been doing for you know, millennia. Of years. Yeah. So basically, you're connecting into what a human is meant to do in many ways. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, uh, it, I think it's fascinating when you start trying to eat, even if you don't do everything. Like sprouts is a perfect example because you can do it. It's not very much. If some of them only sprout and they don't they turn into the long things, then they're germination, germination. You know, it's yeah. like whether you do sprouts or whether you do. Um, uh, microgreens, yeah. you're still eating what you produce. Yeah. So it like it, it almost makes it feels like a connection to our ancestors. It really does. And you know, a lot of people have you know, said like, oh well, you know, um, we've always had you know GMOs, and it's just you know a natural evolution of like how we're you know growing our food and, and whatnot. But I always say like, when, in my grandmother's time, there was no GMOs, and, and they didn't actually use pesticides in, in their in their crops. Everything was organic, so there wasn't any of this hang up of like, oh, you know, organics as if it's like some new thing. It's like you know, up until about 50, 60 years ago, right? Everything was was organic, and so I really feel. Like I'm connecting with with that whole history, and and also when I'm making a sandwich or, or something, it's like, oh, I grew that, and oh, I you know I grew yeah. this, and and my friend gave me this, and and there's like so many things that are grown from from my hands or from the hands of people that I know. Yeah. Well, one of the things we talk about with the with the market, farmers market, one of my neighbors was saying, so what, you just have people there selling things? <laughs> It's like, no, there's not people that, what you're actually doing is you're actually not just eating locally so that you know that the food that's grown is within a, dist a certain distance, but we also have artisans and we have people who are making food. And so you're also creating the opportunity for these people to create their own businesses and to be uh, financially secure. Yes. And, and you are basically building an economy 
right around you. And so you can see exactly, you know exactly how you're helping because you can see how their business evolves. And we have, it's really like the kombucha people now yeah, yeah. have gone, they're, they're distributed everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the, the woman who did our bakery baked goods the first year, she's gone into a restaurant, you know, so you really see how people develop their own their own abilities and creativity in many yeah. ways. They, they extend the creativity to bigger spaces when they have a chance to actually use it and be appreciated for it. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so for me, a market is more than just local food. It's also local appreciation. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and like you say, it, it, it's this space where creativity can flourish, mm -hmm. too, which is so cool. Yeah, because everybody there is either making or growing what they're selling. Yeah. And so, um, Everybody you meet has a hand in what they're trying to sell, and so I think it, it gives the person who's buying it an opportunity to feel like they're part of the creative process too, because they know that this, you know, this person in lots of cases would change what we produce according to what people tell us, and so you're actually seeing how you're influencing people around you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so, so cool. Really cool. Like we have one woman who makes um, small little. Uh, Magnets for the fridge that are taught that are pies, <laughs> and so you know, as people were looking at them, like, I love pumpkin pies, so she started making pumpkin pies, and so we were saying, but I like apple pies, so she started making yeah. apple pies, and it was like you could actually see every week as she was bringing a new collection, you know, from the people who mentioned things the week before. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great way to test the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's uh, so. My, I need to ask you my last question. Yes. which is, um, are you a Canadian, and if so, what does that mean to you? Yes, I am a Canadian. I was born in Ontario, and I moved here to Montreal about 25 years ago. And, um, and yeah, what does it mean to me? Well, it, it, it's kind of um, a complica complicated question for me because my grandparents, I'm the first generation to be born here, and so my grandparents came with my mother after the Second World War, they came here, and um, and so I don't really ever, I didn't, I've never really felt like I had roots here um, in, in Canada, um, and uh, they were somewhere in Europe, and like I, but I didn't speak Polish, and I, you know, never met any of, of my, my relatives except one great aunt, she was Russian, and she came um, over to visit us, and she didn't speak any English, but she also wouldn't speak uh, in the house to anybody, oh, no. because she thought that, that Russia had, you know, microphones, and that they would, you know, so she, yeah, and, um, and all, all I remember from her is that she would um, sit in, in our house or trailer and just be uh, sewing, oh, wow. sewing, you know, mending all the things that, you know, we don't mend anymore. And uh, yeah, so but so yeah, I consider myself Canadian, um, but kind of like a rootless Canadian, and I guess that's why I, I felt it was so easy for me to move um, to another province and one where I didn't speak a language when I moved as well. So and people were saying, "Are you crazy? You don't speak French? And how are you going to get a job?" And it's like, it's like, well, I don't know. It'll it'll all figure it itself out, and and it did. And um, but but surprisingly enough, when I moved here and that was when I found out that I actually have Acadian roots and, and from New Brunswick and that we go all the way back to Brittany in the 1500s oh, wow. and so so I thought oh that's why I moved to a French uh, you know, province somewhere in my DNA it knew you know so anyway yeah that's so or maybe we're related 
We might be. <laughs> we might be. <laughs> so, and, and you? Yeah. Uh, well, I definitely consider I'm, I'm a, I am unapologetically Canadian, but yeah. um, for me, um, the local, seasonal, and also um, connected community base is yeah. really um, how I see Canada. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, um, it's really interesting to see how the response, when I ask people that question, what they tend to bring up um, changes how I see it as well. Like I was interviewed somebody who was, um, uh, she uh, is part of the Banff, um, the Banff Forum, which is a group of young people trying to create what the next Canada will be like. Oh, And so I thought that's awesome in yeah. terms of, um, so, so in many ways can, can, being Canadian is being connected and creative together because we actually have, um, it's a very collective kind of country. It's, uh, it's a federation, which I love the fact that it's a federation, you know, every single province is actually supposed to be its own thing mm -hmm. and, and we're stronger together and I just think that those kinds of, um, those kinds of ideas are important and I think they have a real place uh, to try and help the whole world be more connected together uh, collectively. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope our neighbors to the south, you know, pick up through osmosis some of that connectedness. <laughs> well, I think they, I think they, they do because there's, there, they do have um, a really good local economy. They do, yeah. Vermont so, is amazing yeah. that yeah. way, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Vermont and Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, there's and, and California. I mean, they have. It's really interesting how, um, as their uh, national politics get so divisive, their local politics get so um, connected and, and, and much less divisive. I think that people are connecting to people that they didn't, they wouldn't have otherwise, just because they don't want to deal with the negativity. Yeah! Wow, that's a really awesome way to look at it. <laughs> I love that. I feel so much better now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I guess I have the uh, optimist's uh, viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much, Elizabeth. It's been great having this chat with you and yeah, talking you about too. creativity and what it means to be Canadian together. And uh, I guess we're on the way to the John Tallon Market now. Yes, we are. And thank you so much, Tracy, for this conversation. We have to have more of these. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. It anyway, would be. Take awesome. care. Thank you for listening today. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the episode today, the informal chat style, and any other questions that you might have. You can leave a question or a comment on my Podbean page, or you can send me an email to info at ownyourcreativity.com. Both Tracy, Ariel, and I will be participating in CD Saturday this weekend in Verdun. And if you live in the Montreal area, come on by and say hello to us. I'll have a table there, and so will Tracy, and uh, I'll also be giving a talk in the afternoon. So I'll be talking about how I went from seed to story in writing my book, No Small Potatoes, and it'd be great if you could come down. Key takeaways from the talk will be the organic nature of creativity, how you can nurture your own idea from seed to story, and the benefits of sharing your story and other 
good nuggets of information uh, that I'll be sharing there with you. But if you can't make it to my talk in person, you can join us online for a live version. And the link to sign up for that is bit.ly forward slash seed to story, all one word, seed to story all one word, bit.ly forward slash seeds of story. So thanks so much for joining us today and we'll see you again soon.